welcome to It Takes a Village, a podcast for parents of teenagers. You're not alone, and here we equip you with ideas and resources to help you walk confidently in your role as the primary discipler in your child's life. This podcast is hosted by the youth ministry staff at First Baptist Church Arlington. That includes Kirk Crodel, our youth pastor, Tanner Watson, our guys minister, and me, Chelsea, our girls minister. We hope that this is a valuable resource to you because it really does take a village. All right. Well, welcome back, guys. How are y'all doing today? Hello. Excellent. Welcome back to the podcast. It's a good day on the It Takes a Village podcast. It Takes a Village. All right. Kurt, Tanner. Uh, tell me something good. Ooh. Tell me something good, Tanner oh, B. Watson. Uh, I preached the other day and I really enjoyed it. And yes. it was it was a blast. I really enjoyed writing the message. Good. I was a little worried about that text, but uh, it was really fun. And I felt like I did a good job and I was proud of it. That's something good. Tanner Sorry. did an excellent job. I just said crud on the podcast. Is that okay? I think so. Mm. I said it because I was like, crud. That's the that's what I was gonna say was something good. Parents, if you have a problem with Kurt's use of the word crud, please email Kurt.crodel at fbca.org. Um <laughs> You can cc Dennis.wild. <laughs> I, I start never mind. Crodel, do you stop. have something good today? I do. I have okay. something good. Uh, here's what I would tell you is good is it's it's like we're in it, but it's football season, y'all. Yeah, it's I'm just gonna be honest. Season. It's football mm-hmm. season. Like all the whole year kind of waits. You know, once the national championships played, and we're 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 weeks into the to it, but I'm just going to be honest. It it uh, it it feels like fall. It's nice and cool outside right now. Oh no, that's just in here. It's prophetic. Uh, <laughs> uh, the air conditioner's on, and it feels great in here, and it feels like football season. And um, sick and bears. But here, like seriously, how long has it been since we consistently were able to go to high school football games? Ooh, since yeah. because you know, like living into COVID and coming out of COVID, finally we're in. An, "Quote unquote normal fall," so we got football on Friday nights. We got football on Saturday, and we got football on Sunday and Monday. And like you most got other you got days. Tuesday junior high that's football. Right. Don't yeah, you? that's what I. That's yes. really where it's at. Is is Whirly Tigers, y'all undefeated so far this season? <laughs> Let's hear it for <laughs> six dollar Chick Fil A sandwiches. <laughs> that's right. Come by the concession stand because sometimes I'm working that baby to help the uh, booster club. Thank you very much. Uh, cash only. Chelsea, you got something good? I yes. Uh, my family's going out for Mexican food tonight, and I Ooh. am just so excited about chips and salsa. Like can I, truly, Mexican heritage. Can I, I ask love where it. you're going? No. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, we have to be careful with the, the advertising. I just, you know, I mean, Mexican food does sound really good. No, I want to sit there and shovel chips and salsa into my mouth, so I don't want anyone else to be there. So oh, no. I lose all self control. Yeah. When the chips and salsa hits the table, Seriously. it's so out the good. window. Because it's like, like, that doesn't count. That's <laughs> no. not a part of the calorie count, you know? like No, it's the prerequisite. The, the I'll pre-meal. get a salad for the entree, <laughs> but I have already eaten a full basket. 1,700 calories worth of uh, Salsa chips. is full of fresh vegetables. Mm, you know? so absolutely. Delicious. That, but let's be honest, is that not the challenge of going to Chewy's mm. because of oh, that man. creamy jalapeno? Creamy jalapeno. So good. So there went that. But if you, if, you, 
If you mix them, you mix that, and that, it's oh, that, really more like pico, yes. their salsa. But yeah, you mix those two up. Yeah. They have a house sauce, too, that's more of like a normal salsa. Hmm. Yeah. I did not know. Oh, yeah, you can request it. What's tonight for dinner, Teresa? <laughs> Maybe going to Chewy's. Well. Probably not. It's good to be here. Absolutely. It is good to be here. So today, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, connecting between parents and teenagers. and. Yes. The teenage years, they just come with a lot of tensions of um, almost, but not quite yet, where like children really are growing it. into adults and yeah. they are like not. gaining independence, but they still need you as their parents to um, do a lot of things for them. Like <laughs> you still have to call and make their doctor's appointments oh, and Second you still have to drop them off for camp and, you know. And pay. And pay for most things. Stand. Yes. <laughs> and so you do get this tension of the wanting to be grown up and wanting to have freedom and independence, but also a lot of that really still needing you. Um, and so I know that as children grow from tweens into full-blown teens, uh, they start to withdraw from their parents. They start yes. to spend more time with friends, start to spend more time alone in their rooms, more time just mm-hmm. staring at their phone. Playing video games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes, it I don't know, you can just be at a loss of, of what to do to connect better, to create good environments for connection yeah. without being uh, smothering or overwhelming. <laughs> and so today I thought we would just talk about that because – that developmental need for a little more space is totally normal. And if that's something you're dealing with, uh, there's nothing wrong with your teenager. Um, that yeah, is. <laughs> yeah. Let's say that. Just if if you're hearing this, if you're listening to this today, and you're thinking, "Man, I have failed." Like my yeah, my kids are yeah checking out. They won't talk to me. Whatever. Hey, let's just say this. Number one, God's prepared you for this and enabled and equipped you to be able to be the parent you need to be. Mm. Secondly. This is normal. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it, it doesn't have, you know, it's challenging. But mm-hmm. I would say this, if nothing else I've learned in watching families do life for 26 years with teenagers, yep, yep, you're there. <laughs> you're right. Man, congratulations. Yeah. You're right on track. <laughs> yes. You're raising a teenager. <laughs> so You made it. Obviously, we cannot talk through all of the breadth of ideas of ways that you can connect. But we do want to offer just a few quick things today. And we may end up with a part two to this. That's true. Um, if it gets some good feedback. So, mm. oh, Cordell, why don't you start us off? Yeah, let's talk about this. I, I would tell you in, in trying to communicate with students, with your teenager, um, just we've got to learn to avoid the yes or no questions. Now, you've probably done this your entire uh, parenting life. So you learn this early, but I would say even more important in the teenage years because at least I would say this for our students, our, our students, our kids, our, our own children at my house, the younger ones, you know, you can point at something and it's just, you know, you're just kind of rolling them downhill. Here you go. You're giving them a reason to just go. They mm-hmm. open up. They're talking. Yes. Well, their teenagers is not quite the case. And so one of the challenges in that is how to engage them or how to get them to to open up. And just some of that's just asking good questions. And, and, and I would tell you, just again, we've we've said this in a lot of different places, uh, not here, but uh, avoid the yes or no questions. Make sure you're using those open-ended questions. And so sometimes just how do you frame that and how do you ask? Sometimes I think it's some – we'll talk about rhythms later. I think sometimes there's that rhythm also 
Um, we we do this with our discipleship groups, with our discussion groups. Oftentimes, when we encourage our small group leaders, like on Wednesday nights, to start off with a win, wins or losses, or what what's the other word that John Hoggley use? Happies or crappies? <laughs> you know, like that's one of the things. Sometimes even that, getting in the car or you sit around the uh, the dinner table, whatever it may be. But but having some of those and creating even some of that rhythm and discussion that our students, our, our children, get to a place where they're used to sharing some of those things. And, and we want to celebrate the wins. Um, but we also want to hear, and, and at times you can kind of celebrate the you know the losses too. Hmm. Um, and, and part of that, I think, and I, and I say that, let me kind of qualify that by saying one of the things I, I ask my kids sometimes is, hey, what's something you failed at? Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's a sometimes it's an easy one to to answer depending on the day, uh, but some of that I always say like if you're not failing you're not trying so mm-hmm. if you're if you're trying and you're failing that's that's not that's not all bad but but even asking like about friends how is this friend doing or um, you know uh, again new teenage parent who have got a son playing football this season and running cross country so really long days part of that just asking like hey how was practice it's Fine. And so I'm asking, like, tell me to like tell me what, what you did at practice today. Just kind of walk me from the time you walked on the field to the time you got back in the locker room. Mm. Tell me what I and I'm always like, Hey bud, I was not there. I just I wanna know. I wanna kinda kinda know what it's like from from your experience. Um another great question. You actually wrote this one down, Chelsea. What made you laugh today? Mm-hmm. Um I, I enjoy that one and hearing some of that. Um but yeah, I think part of that, just trying to find ways to create space. Because the more we create and, and kind of set the table, if you would, for our kids to open up and share, and some of that is trying to point to some of the challenging things, I think the more we can do that, it creates the space and just the natural opportunity at times for them when it's hard to communicate. Just mm. it, it, it reminds them this is safe space, and you really can tell me things. And again, as I think it's Kristen Ivey or Reggie Joyner, one of those in the Rethink group, would say um, – as middle school parents, especially, of course, in high school, you have to master the art of not freaking out. Mm-hmm. Mm. So some of that is is your poker face, if you would. Uh, but just if they're going to be honest with you, you've got to be ready to just kind of sit with that and not freak out. And mm-hmm. uh, and some of that's allowing them to be um, just uh, just transparent and honest with you. Yeah. That's how we respond to whatever it is they're saying, because mm-hmm. sometimes we may not like <laughs> their responses mm-hmm. or be shocked by that. Yeah. But if, if, if we are, that's probably a really good thing mm-hmm. that they're communicating with us in that way. So Yeah, absolutely. It's that's interesting. Thing. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, and maybe you can achieve some of this by your question asking, but uh, I know that a great way that I have found to connect with students is uh, being interested in what they're interested in yeah. and not just acting like you are. Uh, and sometimes that's what it takes. Um, I really don't care about Minecraft that much, but if there's a student that really wants to talk about it, I'm serving <laughs> that student well by being interested in it. And yeah. I think that's so true for parents and especially as your teenagers continue to grow up, as they continue to develop, they start like really deepening their personalities and their interests and how their brain works and how they think and when they start to get into these places and in their interests, um, 
it really serves them to level the playing field and actually asking the right questions about what they're interested in Mm -hmm. and being interested in. So when I was growing up, something that my mom did was when I was reading a book, she would often read that book. So one, that helps her know what I'm reading. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I need to not be reading that or if there needs to be some follow-up. But two, it's also like Mm -hmm. we can talk about it. Uh, and some yeah. of that is sitting down next to your kid while they're playing video games and maybe even playing with them. I, mm-hmm. uh, I know that my little brother uh, loves all the uh, anime and stuff like that, and that's something that I have actually been able to to connect with him over is just asking him questions about that. Some uh, some kids are going to be into sports, and I'm not saying you need to pad up and do Oklahoma <laughs> drills with Case and Kurt, Woo! but uh, thank goodness. <laughs> but going outside and throwing the football, with Case and I mean, what yeah. that shows your teenagers is that you care enough to be around, and that you're interested in what they're interested That's in, it. and ultimately that you're just human and that you have interests. And at some level, you do want to level that playing field, so that you're teenager sees you as a person and as a person with interests and not just your parent but maybe even your friend at some level yeah yeah i think also when teenagers feel valued and heard or seen they're a lot more likely to open up about other things that's exactly that's my sister in high school uh, just loved going to the movies would go by herself Mm -hmm. often and come back and be like do y'all want to hear about this movie? And I'd be like, no, thanks. And so she would sit on the kitchen counter while my mom cooked and she would like recant the entire plot of whatever movie it was. And my mom would just, you know, listen and, and keep cooking. And then it would, it would involve, it would go into a conversation about other things. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, she just, she said, sure, Mm -hmm. tell me about it. (laughs) I know there's uh, someone on our church staff, um, was talking to me the other day about they have a son who just loves trains and trains of all kinds and they as a family sometimes will travel to they know a very special train is coming through town and they will travel <laughs> to where that train's going to pass through just to go look at it take pictures take pictures with oh, it cool. so uh, sometimes the interests are pretty niche and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's okay to cater to that I think yeah. is that like your Lord of the Rings um, yeah. algorithm <laughs> yeah. on your for you page yeah if you guys really want at least right now, if you really want to connect with me, uh, come lo- come talk to me about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> what if I don't know anything about Lord of the Rings? Can I still ask you about just, it? Yeah, just listen to me okay. talk about just it. To, and just like act like I didn't ask that question. Boromir. Open-ended question. Yeah, tell me about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> Sauron. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny because we, we – had this conversation. This was part of a conversation we have with our youth workers back in August, right? In some of our initial training for the new year. And part of that was inviting students to come into our worlds so they can see who we are and, and, and part of that just to engage, build relationships. But really the most important part of that is, is us entering into their world. And I think that's part of that by us showing interest. We're saying, like you said, that they're important and what they're interested in we may not really genuinely have a deep interest in that, right? Mm-hmm. I could, I, you know, the video games my son plays, I really am not that interested. But trying to just ask about it, like you said, sit down and watch it, watch him play, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we play some together, and he thinks it's the greatest thing ever because he de- just destroys me. <laughs> but I, I do think seeing that, it really does speak, and it, and it allows me to enter into his world. And it's quite intriguing, and you realize like his world is so much more dynamic um, and complex than mine ever was. And I think some of that also, it just it it helps us just to understand the reality of what our students are mm-hmm. living through and living in because we're not going to understand it, right? Because we're not walking with them through the things they're living in. But again, the Certainly more not. we can kind of enter and engage in their world, the more they're going to be able, for one, to allow us most likely into their mm-hmm. world. Uh, but it, it's just going to shed light. I think it just makes us better parents. For for us as youth workers, it makes us better youth workers. So mm-hmm. that's a big win. Yeah, and I think like there's some low-hanging fruit like – playing video games or asking video games, watching movies, or you can go as far as like making sure when you're planning a vacation or planning a trip of some sort, including something that you know your kid's going to like, or even asking them, hey, what can we do that's specifically for you on this trip? Yeah, it's a good call. Mm -hmm. Good call. Well, Kurt, what are some ways we can uh, make this more uh, more of a rhythm for our families? Yeah, Again, as you guys know, um, well, okay, Chelsea, as you know, Tanner, you you one of these days, if the Lord allows you and you know to to have children in your family, um, rhythms are so important, particularly, and I think oftentimes we just think of the rhythms being so important for little guys, and uh, mm-hmm. and they are certainly. I think rhythms are just as important later in life that the challenge is rhythms are fewer and and further apart oftentimes it's just harder to find the place and find the rhythms for our families and so um you know we 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 think back to the uh the pandemic you know we were taking walks and we were going and walking the dogs things like that or or adelaide was like tying the dogs to the front of her scooter and letting the dogs walk her Um, (laughs) whichever works um i've not been able to find a large enough dog to pull me around the neighborhood but if i can it probably would be awesome but you know finding things that kind of become rhythmic if you Mm -hmm. would to your family you know and and whether that's trying to find a certain night of the week or certain time again the older your kids get most likely the busier they are but part of that i think is is trying to create rhythms that your kids may just some someday they may look at you and go hey can we do this or can we go back to that Hmm. Um, but whether that's taking a walk i still say like there's so much research y'all about dinner at the table Mm -hmm. in your home and how important that is oftentimes we're making dinner maybe we're cooking dinner everybody comes and gets it at their pace at their time and they're maybe it's even around the living room you're wherever but i I would tell you there's just tons of research that continues to bear out how important family meal times are and and just if you're able to do that once a week finding a night and maybe that really goes back to the intentionality of just calendaring that mm-hmm. as you look at your family calendar each week um, if you have a family meeting that you're putting that in that place to say hey this night of the week is the only night things work out for us maybe it's not dinner maybe it's you find that saturday morning breakfast something like that mm. um, there's a spot there and you create that rhythm and that's a place that you're around the table um, and your kids just know to come back to that. And then we've, we've talked about before, and some of our youth workers talk about even that drive time on the way to school, maybe bedtime, whatever. They're off. There's several times during the day. Um, but up until the point your kids are driving, if you're still driving them to school, man, take advantage of that time. That's sweet time every day. I, 
and I get the sweet spot because we we show up at late work a little later here. My wife is a librarian, so she has to be at school um, earlier than I do every morning. So I've most of my kids' lives, I've been the the shuttle. I've been the school bus. So I take them to school. I love that, and I love the time that we have in in, in knowing there's certain spots, there's certain things we're doing every day, and it's not just unbuckle and grab your stuff. We're almost late, you know. Run, mm-hmm. run, run, run. Uh, but that they know, like like when we turn on a Canon Drive, that's when we're just gonna. I'm gonna pray over them briefly. When I turn into the drive at Worley Middle School, like I'm praying over them. And I go back to like Russell McCaskill. I don't, Russell, sorry if you're listening to this. I hope we can use your name and your story. Russell has told me multiple and shared with this multiple times. I've heard him talk about he took his kids to school. Oftentimes he had boys, and and he learned like. I can't hug and kiss them when I'm pulling up to the door and they're about to jump out. And he would in, like stop like blocks away from the school, pull over. That's where he would lean in and just give them a hug, kiss them on the head, and just pray over them. And then they'd continue on to school. And uh, and just some of that rhythm I think is so important because it, it creates patterns for your family. It creates stability for your kids in a world that's very unstable and constantly changing. So if they know there's some of those things that your family's just going to naturally do, but it really does create the space for them to connect. And just, it it may just be that check-in, but uh, that's really, really important, I think, for our kids. And I'll tell you, some of those spaces are where we get the best conversation. It's brief. Uh, It may not be much, but there are times where one of my kids we kind of have that certain sweet spot when it's just the two of us in the car that that's where um, they'll share with me things that I never hear at home, mm-hmm. never hear at bedtime when we're reading, still read to our kids at night. Um, but there's that time in the car, which I've often said, and I had a parent years ago, the Grope family, we were living in Saginaw that said they had their greatest conversations when they were, when she was gardening because she would be on her hands and knees working in a garden or working in a flower bed. And oftentimes that's where her kids would come and sit and talk to her because she was engaged in doing something else. They could sit behind beside her help. Their eyes were not, you know, they weren't looking at one another. Mm-hmm. They weren't zeroed in. They were doing something else. And for whatever reason that created a safer environment for mm-hmm. them to talk. And I'm seeing that now with my own teenager. Yeah. That that really is helpful. So. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, I remember lots of days just sitting on the kitchen counter while my mom was, you know, making biscuits or something because yeah. she was busy doing something and hmm. we just got to sit and didn't have to make eye contact. But yeah, yeah. We yeah were, I there's a lot of ways to do that. We were uh, uh, driving to school, like early football practice, like my dad or my mom. That's when we'd have the conversations, you know? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I loved the, the story from, from the Rhodes family, Andrew and Lane Rhodes serving our youth ministry, but they talked about how they learned to create rhythms around their teenager schedules and not mm. try to, so they said, okay, family dinner is not going to happen on these days, but yeah. we'll have chips and salsa out yeah. uh, afterwards. And so we'll have late night snack together and that's where we're going to mm. connect. And it was a lot of that just like it's awesome. standing just around the kitchen it. island. Yeah. 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 Being willing to find those times. And, and a lot of that's just being really intentional. Mm-hmm. I think as parents, we've got to just kind of keep our eye out, look for those spaces and then oftentimes think you can take that and make it something really fun that our kids look forward to. I, I keep hoping that one of these days our kids are going to come home mm-hmm. as adults with their kids. And that's how we imagine it, you know, that we do some of these things. We've said for years, like Saturday morning breakfast was our thing for years, especially when we were just one income family. 
Like we didn't eat out, you know, we just, we, that was a rare treat for us. Um, and so like, but when we did, it was like Saturday mornings, we were going to go as a family. It used to be Friday mornings. I'm off on Friday and Teresa wouldn't work and their kids weren't in school. Friday mornings, nobody's there. Mm-hmm. We'd go have breakfast out together. And that may be going to McDonald's, but we were going out and having breakfast. And, and we've said, like, That's one of these days, man. I'm <laughs> telling you, come on. Um, you know, free refills over there. You just got to get your own. It's all right. But we, we were like, <laughs> we want our kids to come back. We hope that one day when they're in high school, they're in college, like, they come home. We want them to know, like, Saturday morning we're doing breakfast. If That's at the house. Um, or Sunday night. You know, on our menu, typically it's it's breakfast for dinner. Mm-hmm. There's just some of those things. Like our hope is that maybe that's a rhythm that our kids would create in their own families one day. But goodness, we hope that they'll also come home and want those things because I think that uh, they're going to be those places where they come home. They just need something that kind of grounds them. Mm-hmm. And some of those rhythms can become later things that can kind of be an anchor point, I think, for our kids when they come home from college or they're having a really bad day, that there's going to be times just be willing to say, all right, yeah, we're going to, we're going to punt. We're not going to do what we wanted to do or what we thought we were going to do, but yeah, you need this. Let's, let's dive into this and create space for, for us to do this as a family. Hmm. It can be really anchoring and provide some stability. That's really good. What about Chelsea? You've got a great idea yeah. uh, that we talked about just in communicating. Uh, and I think particularly when we think about times I imagine it for times when maybe just communication is tough or things are, are sure. challenging, but I think the teenage years may be really where this one plays mm-hmm. well. I, I mean, I know uh, emotions can get really heightened mm. <laughs> as a teenager. I mean, everything feels really big, mm. and that's really not, I mean, any fault of anyone. It's just there's so much change going on mentally and physically and emotionally, that things really do feel like the end of the world sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so when that translates into conflicts with parents, um, communication can be really hard. It can feel like nothing is productive. You're talking in circles. You're just slamming doors. And so one of the um, tools that can be really helpful to use is a uh, back and forth journal, kind of a shared journal between a parent and child. So it doesn't have to be anything fancy. It can just be a regular spiral notebook. Um, But you kind of create the plan that you want with it. And uh, one person starts, so typically the parent would start and write on the first page a note to their child and then put it in a designated place, whether that's the bed or maybe it's on the kitchen table, um, and then set... Uh, a time limit of please have it back to me in 48 hours or please have it mm. back to me tomorrow. Um, and so you do get the the benefit of being able to to sit and process mm. and write things out well and say, oh, maybe that wasn't the right word. Um, and you can rip pages out and, and no words were said. Uh, but yeah, it gives you time to think about things and to process. And a lot of times students will write things that they won't say out loud. And so it kind of creates this safe space for them to communicate even if it is just that they're mad and they're frustrated and Mm -hmm. they don't know (laughs) they don't know what to do um you can work with that uh but it gives you a starting space and it gives you uh just a a vehicle to communicate Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. it is you're actually trying to say without all of the heightened emotions and everything that comes with that so i know that's been really helpful for some of the families that i've worked with in the past I love that. That's such a great. That is a good idea. 
great thing. I don't know. We were, t- I was talking to a friend several years ago as a counselor and he said, you know, it's interesting for some families like text is the best way for them to communicate. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's true. But I think something like this is so good because it's not, it's not instantaneous. Mm-hmm. You know, you may write that down and go, you know, I'm going to sit on this or you write it out and you can't, you're, you're it's not instant. And so yeah. you are able to kind of step back and, and think through And it. oftentimes for teenagers, right. As they're, trying to figure things out and navigate and just as their brain literally is continuing to develop they're going to be more impulsive mm-hmm. and so they're going to they're going to maybe you know kind of jump on things more quickly than they should we we all do that at some level um but but what a great way to kind of help them process yeah differently and just to slow down in a really fast world where everything doesn't have to be instant and, mm-hmm. and certainly it, not and and i think I just can't imagine the things that maybe a student would be willing to say mm-hmm. in that way. And even a parent sure. that, that maybe they wouldn't feel like they could be as vulnerable as honest. Right. I know for some parents, it's just hard to be, you know, to really kind of share their heart. And so mm-hmm. uh, I would say that about like my dad, you know, that's mm-hmm. something my dad never did, but often left us notes, mm-hmm. you know, and he would write simple things, nothing long, but I think, man, I wish I had something like that. I wish I had done something like that with my dad or he yeah. had done, you know, my parents had done something like that because I think there's probably things I would have learned and heard from my parents that I didn't hear. Mm, Otherwise, I, I think it's such a great idea. You know, I took a, a very interesting psychology class in college that a lot of it stuck with me clearly because that's been years. Um, but one day they had us do a writing exercise where as soon as we sat down, they said, we're starting a five minute timer and you need to write the whole time. We don't care what you write. Um, but you got to write something. And mm. so after a second, everyone in the, I remember 500 people in the class started writing. And at the five minute mark, they said, okay, we're done. Like, that's just for you. Um, but the, the lecture that day was about kind of the power of catharsis and um, just how helpful journaling can be in processing emotions. And so even if you're writing something in the journal um, that gets torn out and you're like, you know what? <laughs> that was just for me. Yeah. And now I'm going to write something new. But uh, I think that's part of why prayer journaling can be so powerful for us mm. and letter writing and all of those things. So it's so a good, good tool. Well, we are just about out of time today, guys. But I know that there's more we could share. And so maybe we'll have part two of this one. But we do have some resources in the meantime to share with parents. So Tanner, what resource do you have for parents today? There's this book called Meet Generation Z. It's by a guy named James Emery White. It's uh, been on my shelf for a while. That, uh, I, I go back to it every once in a while. I read it a couple years ago. It, if you have a teen, that teen is part of Generation Z. Uh, or at least if you're listening to this in the next several years, they are part of Generation Z. And that's um, after millennials. So uh, this book by James Emery White, he's a PhD that uh, he just knows his stuff about generation science. It's from a Christian perspective. It's uh, has a lot to do with how the church can serve this new generation, but it's also really paints a good picture of um, the way their brain works. And I have uh, used some of the things I learned in this book in my ministry. That's great. My children are Gen A. Is that? Gen- a, I didn't know that was a thing yeah. yet. <laughs> Gen- generation Alpha, which I was like, oh. Okay. They're the first right. generation. Wow. <laughs> wow, yeah. That so sounds like, great. Is it like no Greek pressure. life? Like <laughs> Russian gen like alpha? I know, they're coming. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, 
Carter, what about you? Yeah, and so many things. There's several things that, it, and even now, I go, God, what, what is it? I, I would tell you, here's, here's one that, that I think is really good when it comes to just different conversations. There's a resource. It, it used to be a free page. Every, I mean, everything was there. It's a free page. You can go to their website. It's called axis.org, A-X-I-S. And Axis has some really great things to try to help parents connect with their teens or their uh, younger, you know, students, but particularly written for teenagers. You know, now it's it's a resource you purchase. A member. There's some free stuff there, but some of the really great topics and and kind of uh, downloads you can get with um, with that resource or through that resource are are oftentimes uh, some of the best ones I think in their conversation kits, parent guides. Um, you have to you have to pay a um, a subscription fee for that. I would tell you this: I think it'd be really be worth it, and, and a pretty small investment really in looking at some of the conversation things. But I think it, particularly as things show up very specifically that are challenging your students are dealing with, mm-hmm. but in trying to navigate how do you have those conversations, but also in having those conversations, how do you point them back um, just to 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 bring it into the spiritual realm and how do we talk about these things and frame them and kind of put them through the lens of scripture and through our walk with Jesus. Um, they do a really good job of that. And so again, I, I would tell you, they, and you can do a, like a one month subscription or you can do an annual subscription. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just tell you, it's really solid. There's some free stuff there. So if you go look at that, it may be one of those things you're like, Hey, let me try this, but go go pull some of the resources there that are free, and then if they, you know, seem to be something you could use as a family, again, I think it would really be worth the um, the investment of of not only your time but your finances to be able to make that happen. So not expensive, but yeah, something you, you know worth looking at. Yeah, so that's a good one. Okay, and mine is a sort of a book. It's called Thirty Days. Turning the Hearts of Parents and Teenagers Towards Each Other by Dr. Richard Ross and Dr. Gus Reyes. So it's kind of a workbook. Uh, it's it's a binder that has 30 envelopes in it. And basically what you do as a family is commit to 30 days of having intentional conversations together. And so each, each envelope has different questions. There are questions that parents ask their children, that children ask their parents, and then it kind of ends with a prayer or a blessing. Um, And so it's really meaningful and kind of the further you go into the 30-day process, the deeper the questions get and probably like the harder the conversations are. But I think when you're looking for connection, that's really what you want. You want to build vulnerability and trust. Um, And so we've done some of these at, we did a youth ministry family retreat this past year and used some of these just for the three-day weekend. And I the conversations were so good. I just loved really I mean, I had a one-year-old at the time, so we weren't really having deep spiritual conversations. <laughs> but I was looking around the room and just seeing even, even basic questions. We're bringing people to tears because we just don't always have the time to sit and commit and share our hearts with each other. Yeah. And so if... Uh, if that's something you're looking for, even if you can't do the 30-day commitment, it's a great resource. It's really available nice. on Amazon. Um, I also have a copy of it in my office. If you'd like to borrow it and you're local, let me know. And I think we may have a few copies. There were We had several okay. of those notebooks somewhere. We just had to put our hands on They may be in my office. But, yeah, we I know I've got that. one or two in offices I would love for you to use. And, and anything, let's be honest, anything by Dr. Richard Ross. Uh, Dr. Ross oh, was a part of, what both, a blessing. Uh, of our grad works. Mm-hmm. 
and one of our professors, and just a remarkable godly man. Um, but he is just really given, particularly the, this, I don't know, maybe the last decade or two, um, spent most of his life, really, his adult life in youth ministry, but he is really invested in the family mm-hmm. um, in this this part of this season of his ministry. So it's um, it's crazy, but it's so good. And I would just tell you, anything by Dr. Ross, man, go after it. <laughs> well, we hope this was helpful for you today. We're so glad that you were able to join us. Uh, we'll be back next time to talk more. Uh, in the meantime, remember that you're not alone. It really does take a village. Thanks for listening, y'all. Thanks, y'all.